Validation is not permission to then stay stuck. I think what it actually does is give you the compassion you need to work through it better. All the research shows compassion is a way to change, not shame. Facts do not have opinions. Just don't let perfection be the enemy of the good. Self-love is really about self-respect and acceptance. Welcome to a special two-part episode of The Whole View. I'm Stacey Toth of Real Everything, and I'm here each week to dive deeper into how we can find happiness and health inside and out through self-love, body positivity, and discovering new ways to be our best selves. Before we get started, a reminder, this podcast is for general educational purposes and not intended to diagnose, advise, or treat any physical or mental illness. And we always recommend that you see a licensed health professional accordingly. I want to introduce you listeners to Monica Packer, who is a self-described normal mom, but I think there is no such thing as normal. We're all just part of that same collective club of Mm -hmm. recovering perfectionists Mm -hmm. who uncovered the truest model to lasting growth. It's progress made practical. As a podcaster and coach, she guides women to find sustainable growth by adopting progress over perfection. And Monica is a mom of five, former middle school teacher, sourdough obsessor, and beginning gardener. You can find more about Monica at aboutprogress.com. I'm excited for us to have a conversation today because we have a creepy amount of things in common that we learned by preparing for the show. We want to talk about both of us have this mindset about letting go of perfectionism, figuring out what progress is. And I think in a world, especially around the holidays, as all the things are happening in the world, overwhelm, burnout, all these kinds of things build up so quickly and easily. I want to share some practical tips. But for listeners of both of our shows, <laughs> if you love me, you're going to love Monica and vice versa because... Um, so I went through and I created a list of things that we have in common and Monica was like, yeah, no, that's not even everything that we have in common. <laughs> so we're both recovering perfectionists. We both recovering from eating disorders, which I would argue goes hand in hand. You are a natural blonde who married a redhead and I am a redhead that married a natural blonde. I'm definitely not a natural blonde anymore, though. I like have to add that for the note. Well, <laughs> neither is my husband. Age happens. Each child, my hair has gotten way darker. And my red hair has gotten darker with age as well. So I think it just, you know what? It happens. Um, We both had four kids until you recently had your fifth baby, which I will not be doing. Absolutely (laughs) not be doing. Um, It's our fifth and final, just for the record, too. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) But none of them are redheads, which I, when (laughs) when I was growing up a redhead, I thought it was like a guaranteed thing that no matter what children I had, they would be redheaded. So it's just kind of weird. so disappointed. When Cole was born, I like gave him the Irish name of Cole Jameson McCary, expecting him to be like this Irish redheaded kid. And nope. Genes are crazy. I I don't get how it works. We did some research into it. It's blonde Trump's red. That's what it is. That's how I knew you were a natural blonde. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Because if you were truly a natural brunette, then it wouldn't work that way. Got it. That makes sense. Okay. Microscopic biology gene stuff. Who knows? Both English majors. Both of us, if like we had to pick one food forever, would be ice cream. Mm -hmm. 
And I constantly say that I'm suburban Stevie Nicks. I have named my hair Stevie. And you say on your website that you're a hippie at heart, which like both mean the same thing to me. Both cloth diapered our kids and do a lot to reduce our toxic load for people on the planet. Both been podcasting a long time. You had some others you want to add to the list before I want to do the fun last one. Oh, my, my goodness. I told you I've been doing a deep dive on your podcast and like everything you just talk about alone. I'm like, this has been something I've been obsessed with, too. Or this topic <laughs> has been so influential in my life. I think we both love to learn, yeah. which is so obvious. We're both very curious people, which I think is so great because I got to benefit from your curiosity every time I listen to a podcast of yours. But additionally, we both have some special needs kids. I've got an autistic daughter who also has a couple other things and then uh, a couple other kids with ADHD. And it's that's a whole thing in and of itself. Absolutely. Yeah. Mul multiples on that front over here as well. Mm -hmm. And we're both big book nerds. So uh -huh. I, the last couple of years, have gotten like really into books. Um, I feel like, I don't know if this happened to you, but when I started, after I graduated college, I'd read so many books. And then I started blogging and I had a full-time career where I read contract law documents, which were oh, like yeah. really intense. Mm -hmm. And then I would blog at night or I would write books at night. And I just was like, I cannot read or write a single yes. thing. And so I did audiobooks, but I wasn't like super into them. And now that I've had it, stepped away from my corporate career I've gotten back into wanting to devour books again like not just read books like I want to devour books again so I thought it would be fun if we both shared our favorite book and the last thing that we read Ooh, okay uh, I just okay. finished a book last night so that'll be fun same I just finished you with that that. so I <laughs> finished tomorrow and tomorrow a novel by Gabrielle Zevin last night so, like, one of the best books that I've ever read. It's incredible. If you don't play video games, that's okay. But it's still, it's a really great book, and I'm having my husband read it. Um, have you read that one yet? Yeah. And yeah, I don't play good, video right? games at all, but I was so, so sad. It's so, like, the world, the world and the characters were just really um, inviting. Like, I just wanted to stay with them. Yes. Um, so, how about you? What, was, what did you finish last night? Okay, so this is funny. The backstory here is I read The Winners by Frederick. What's his last name? Bachman? Um, I got to look at my, like I'm looking at my history really quick. Yeah, Bachman, Bachman. That's a third in a series of a, a trilogy. I did not know that. I read that book read that first. So after I read that, I shared on Instagram how much I loved it. People were like, what did you think about the other two? And I'm like, what? So last night I finished the first book in the series and it's called Bear Town. And it's really good. It's like a hockey town in Sweden. But I thought it was in Canada, the, the whole first book I read. So it's really good. I have not heard of those. That is He wrote the man, a man called Ove or Uve mm. too, um, which was really popular. But yeah, it's a great one. Good to know. Okay. My favorite book. And I thought about this last night. I used to always say His Dark Materials by Philip Pullman, but I have not read that in so long. And I think it really spoke to me at that time in my life when I was like in my 20s and decisively, obsessively reading it. And now when I was thinking about it, like if I had one book to recommend to people, like to represent who I am 
and what I enjoy reading, it would be If the Shoe Fits by Julie Murphy, who is one of my favorite authors. She wrote the Dumplin' series that was turned into a movie okay. with Jennifer Aniston. Um, Watched that. Did not and it, yeah. I just finished watching the Golden Bachelor finale last night, and the book is a was it's part of a series called the Meant to Be series, which um, tells retells Disney stories in a real life sort of way. And so, if the shoe fits was the first one in the series, it is the Cinderella story, and it is told as though she is a contestant on The Bachelor, and she is a woman in a larger body. And like her experience on that show. And so it's fun fiction, but it's also there's a lot of body positivity and different kinds of things that represent who I am and what I'm into. So I love that. I also love the framework, like what represents me. And that kind of shifts what my answer was going to be. <laughs> so I'll just say, here's what it, if I were to recommend a book to someone, it would probably be the book of longings. I got that on my shelf back here by Sue Monk Kidd. And it's not religious, even though it sounds like it. It's like if Jesus had a wife and what her story would be, it's actually pretty feministy, which I love. And just such a different take on something we all think we know, like the story of, even if you're not religious in any way. But I have to say, I think my new favorite is The Covenant of Water by Abraham. Oh, gosh, I don't remember his last name. I'm going to have to look that up. But he, it, it is the best book I think ever. It's also very long. Like it's over 700 pages. I listened to it. It's over 30 hours, but he reads it himself. The author, he has a great voice, but it's about like a multi-generational family. And the story is told across decades with different characters and they all somehow go together. But what I love about it is like nobody escapes hardship, but also like there's so much beauty in just life and and his writing is really unique, really beautiful. So Brigisi, I think, or Brigisi, I'm so sorry I'm butchering it, but that's like my new favorite. I look forward to adding those to my Goodreads list. And for yeah. listeners, we'll put a link in show notes for you so you don't have to like write down. We should have told you that before we, I don't like the word shit. <laughs> yeah. It would have been better if we told you that before. So you weren't like trying to write things down while you're driving, hopefully. But I think, I hope this gives a little insight to listeners into like who we are, what we're about all the things we have in common. And in having a conversation about that, we wanted to help listeners by talking about something that I think we both hear very often in the world right now in terms of overwhelm and burnout. Like those are words that I hear so often. And I think it's good that there's education and information so that there can be awareness about that. But I think there's also this feeling of like, and what do I do? Because I can't change the world. And mm -hmm. so I thought we could talk about that a little bit today. I, know I you think have, this is so fitting. Yeah. You have a lot of your own thoughts and input on this. So listeners, how this is going to work, because we want to introduce you to both of our podcasts, is we'll have half of the interview on the whole view. And then you can listen to the other half of the show on the About Progress podcast. Sounds yeah. great. I know. It's going to be so fun. I All love right. that we're doing something different. I love it. Let's do it. You're going to kick us off. Yeah. So we're talking about overwhelm with me. And what I have to share about it is a bit more of the practical slant on how to deal with overwhelm. And I know I'm, Stacey has a lot to add in terms of mentally coping with overwhelm, which 
I have really needed. I'm just going to start this conversation by saying I'm not overwhelmed free. When you shared I had my fifth kid this year, this has been probably the most overwhelming year of my life. And and I just want to level the ground here and just tell people I came into having this fifth kid with my eyes wide open. Like I'm a realist when it comes to baby time and children in general. And with four kids prior and some special needs there and some really hard babies, I knew what to expect. But even with having, I would say, a typical baby, I have just been flattened this year in ways I was not with my other kids, even with like a much harder circumstances. And that's been really humbling for me, which I think is good in many ways. But it's also been demoralizing. Like it's made me question my identity in ways. It helped me actually see I was placing my identity on things that I thought I had grown past, like my productivity, because of this overwhelm of just trying to keep up with the shift to our family was five years after our last. So there, it was more of a big shift than my others, I think. I just realized, wow, I really bank who I am on what I can do in a day. And now that is so little in comparison to what I used to be able to do. Although let's not like downgrade what it takes to take care of a baby. That's a ton of work, right? But I can't even like shower or empty the dishwasher in a day. That's a big hit. So I'm coming at this from someone who has been in the general state of overwhelm much of this year. And what I want to share is how I have worked through it more practically. But I think we also have a lot to say on this more mentally too, because that's been honestly at least half, if not like 80% of the battle for me is walking through it. This week's podcast is sponsored by Puri, who have become my supplement brand of choice and are offering you 20% off site-wide. I don't like to take supplements just for the sake of it, so their standards for effective performance and safety are the absolute best I can find. They even do heavy metal testing for their dark chocolate protein powder, which is super tasty without a bunch of added ingredients. Pasture raised with real bourbon, vanilla, and coconut sugar has become my favorite thing to add to smoothies. That and their collagen allow me to add in more protein to maintain muscle mass, so important as we age, without inflammation or irritation. And if you listen to episode 87, you know their owner is actually a fellow listener who geeked out on our chocolate heavy metal episode 54. But what brought me to them to begin with was blood work that showed I was deficient in a nutrient I had been taking from another brand. And I started with Puri's Magnesium and have since added in more because I'm loving the results. They are the first brand I've ever used to not cause fish oil burps from their Omega-3. And now we know why, because it's not oxidized. And their owner explained all of this in a deep dive on recent episode 87. So if you haven't listened to that yet, I hope you check it out. Puri uses third-party laboratory testing for over 200 different types of pesticides, heavy metals, and other unwanted substances, and verify that the products contain the amount of active ingredients indicated on the label, which is also certified by the Clean Label Project. Ensuring products are what they say they are and aren't contaminated for the final end product, the highest of standards. Take the next step to support your health with Puri. I worked with Puri on this amazing deal just for my listeners, 20% off site-wide. Just go to my special URL, puri.com slash wholeview, and use my promo code, wholeview, 
This even applies to the already discounted subscriptions. You'll get almost a third off the price. Go to P-U-O-R-I dot com slash WholeView. Don't wait. Use promo code WholeView at P-U-O-R-I dot com slash WholeView. Well, and when I hear you talk about that, I like the let's not make light of how much work a baby is like no seriously let's not make light of that because one of the phrases that I want people to start really considering for themselves is the mental load of work right like you might not be the person who executes on everything but in my household because it's a neurodiverse house I am the person who is the glue for everything. I make all Mm -hmm. the lists. I make sure everything is done, whether it's a grocery list or a meal plan or whatever. Like I am responsible for telling the person, here's what the meal is. Here's where the ingredients are. Here's this is your night to make dinner. It's five o'clock. You haven't started yet. Hey, child, go start making this dinner. Even though I'm not the one physically making the dinner that night, the mental load of having to be responsible for all of those things is more than a lot of people really understand. And it means that like it is more difficult than to when you need to sit down and do work or do whatever it is that you need to do that you find yourself staring at the same screen for a really long time and wondering like, wait, what did I just read? Because your brain needs a break. And it's the same Mm -hmm. thing with parenting. It's the same thing if you're working multiple jobs. Like Whatever a circumstance is, the mental load of taking care of a household with five littles, including a new baby, like that's, that is, I think, something worth more than just like a passing. Of course, the baby's hard to do. Like, seriously, you just added a new life to your plate, right? So I think it's good that you're able to talk about the practical, but I am big on the mentality that we need to have around some of these things because for me, perfectionism was so toxic and problematic in, yes, productivity, but also like I really wrapped my worth around what people thought of me and that productivity was a way that I could guarantee that people would think highly of me. And being in a larger body, people often assume that I'm lazy or whatever the case may be. And so it became even more important for me to depend on other people's approval. And I think that there's a lot of that happens to most people in their lives. It's really difficult to tell yourself, it's okay if someone doesn't like me. It's okay if someone thinks that I should have done more work. And I say they don't like that word because it's a judgment word and anytime mm-hmm. it comes up, it's like a red flag. But yeah, I think I think that there is conversation and space for both of those because we need to give ourselves the grace. We need to own and accept what is happening and then we can say okay now what do I want to do about it if anything right like and it might be letting go of people's judgments that opens the space for the like better feelings right it might not have anything to do with what you need to change but more so letting go of this expectation um so yeah I I get it a lot And that judgment gets so internalized as perfectionists. We become that voice, the external voice is in our head. 
And that's really what I was like, whoa, that's still lingering around here. Did it? Yeah. But I worked on you and you were in the past, <laughs> but I guess you are not totally gone. And 10 and times worse usually than what, what you've heard, right? Like it's yeah, the voice oh, in your head. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And that's a big part of my work. This all started about progress because I was trying to work on changing the way I viewed myself and also just my life in general and leaning into mediocrity was how I almost called like everything I started mediocre Monica because I was trying to be brave and be mediocre at stuff instead of staying on the sidelines and doing nothing or hustling myself to death and burnout like and because I'm going for the all. So we do a lot of that talk and those kind of conversations on my show. So with that framework, let's talk about some of the suggestions that I have and we'll also reference them to come and listen to the part that we are recording for my show for more of the deep mental work because that, I like I said, I think it's 50 to 80% of the battle. But I just want to start with people. Like if you are in a state of overwhelm, whether it's a day or it's a week or it's a season of overwhelm, which some seasons can last a long time, I would just start with this deep breath, both physically, like in a moment, but also figuratively, just pause and take a deep breath. And I would actually validate the overwhelm. I wouldn't dismiss it. I wouldn't run away from it. I also wouldn't go into self-blame, just like we talked about. I would validate this is hard. There's a lot on my plate and I am maxed out. And that validation is not permission to then stay stuck. I think what it actually does is give you the compassion you need to work through it better. All the research shows compassion is a way to change, not shame. And when we are, I think with overwhelm, a lot of our tendencies can be to outrun it or to outwork it. Like if you're overwhelmed, just work harder. If you're overwhelmed, just do more, get it all done. But instead it's like, no, pause, take a deep breath and just start by validating this experience for yourself and giving yourself that compassionate lens to then move forward with some of the practical sides to working through overwhelm. I love that so much. And I want to just tell people, like, if you find yourself using the phrase, like, push through, if at any point you hear yourself saying, just push through or pick yourself up by your bootstraps, like any of these phrases, maybe like write them down for yourself of like, oh, these are my mm -hmm. phrases of like, I'm not acknowledging my own overwhelm. I am instead trying to take on more and do more, which is just, as I like to call, a snowball of badness. Like it's never huh. going to end. It's just you're picking up more bad stuff as you roll along. Oh, for sure. And because in the in that frenetic kind of energy that we can easily get swept up, swept up with overwhelm, we also get misplaced with our priorities. And we like find ourselves doing things that aren't important at the sake of things that actually are more important. And on that more important list often is our mental health and our physical health and our relationships. I don't know about you, Stacey, but one of the biggest things that suffered as a result of my perfectionism was my relationships. Like friendships and also sibling relationships, marriage. It comes up even with my kids sometimes still. That's what's at stake here. So with that deep breath, I also want you to give yourself permission to do less, not more. Overwhelm often comes because of, of us not having enough time, energy, or money to do the amount of things we have to do in a single day or in a season like we chatted about. And as we talked about getting swept up into that frenetic energy, just giving yourself that little framework, I actually need to be doing less, not more. 
oh, that's so freeing to me. It, it gives me permission to have that compassion piece, but it also gives me permission to do what's next. And that's evaluate with that lens in mind. I'm going to evaluate what's on this plate with the goal being I need to be doing less, not more to manage this overwhelm. This podcast is sponsored by Indeed, the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place, and the place where both Finn and Cole have now used to get their own jobs. So easy that talent from all ages can use it. Indeed has streamlined hiring with powerful tools to find you matched candidates who are three times more likely to apply to your job when invited than candidates who only see it in the search, according to US Indeed data. Plus, with Instant Match, over 80% of employers get quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job, according to Indeed Data US. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Don't spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills when you can do it all with Indeed. With Instant Match, as soon as you sponsor a post, you get a short list of quality candidates whose resume on Indeed match your job description, and you can invite them to apply right away. Join over three and a half million businesses worldwide using Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash WholeView. Just go to Indeed.com slash WholeView right now and support our show by saying you heard about it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash WholeView. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Any thoughts on that? Because I'm curious if that, like, it's like, that's tugging against my perfectionist tendency where I'm like, no, just get it all done. Do it all. Yeah, no, I think it's, I think it's really important. I, I, for a practical example, the end of November during like Black Friday to Cyber Monday is the busiest week that I have all year long. Cause I work also in a retail environment supporting hundreds of women who are working to sell a product. And that means that's your busiest week of the year. And so I gave up hosting Thanksgiving because my husband is an essential mm -hmm. worker. He's a post-delivery carrier. And um, he stayed home with our kids when they were younger. My kids are now older teenagers. And so being that I now do retail and he's working, I'm like, we can't host Thanksgiving anymore. This is crazy. Mm -hmm. And my house is going to be a disaster. And like, mm -hmm. I am a, I'm an organizational person when my house is not organized. Not, I don't want to use the word clean. When there's like chaos in my home, I feel it in my body. And I had to give myself that exact pep talk that you just said, like, it is okay that the house is not picked up and organized right now. It is okay that the house is in chaos. On Tuesday, after Cyber Monday, I will work on picking up the house. Yeah. Like anytime I would see a mess, I would look at the pile and I'd be like, I will pick that up on Tuesday. And I just had to tell myself, which is so silly because in the grand scheme of life, I'm not going to be laying on my deathbed wishing that I had cleaned up that pile of laundry sooner. I'm going to be yeah. wishing that I did what I did, which is prioritize time with my family in between all the time that I was working that week because they were off from school. When you have teenagers, time with them is precious. So no, I 100% hear what you're saying. And I think that 
there's a lot of practical ways that we can implement that. But I think that there's still that voice in your head that's going to be like, shame, look at the state of your house, like whatever it is that applies to people. And you have to combat it for sure. I'm wondering, like, how do you think that applies to overwhelm? As I play that scenario out in my head, I'm thinking of like, okay, well, I had to tell myself, do less. I can't do the cleaning and do all these other things this week. But then at the same time, when I'm looking at the chaos, it feels overwhelming, right? And so then I'm asking myself, like, how do you both let go of those things, but also not feel overwhelmed that you're not doing those things? It's like this catch-22, right? So that's where I think the compassion piece comes in. That's why I feel like we got to start with validating because with these tendencies that we have, and I think women honestly have these like period, like we just have these tendencies do more and show more and outperform more and be more and look better and all those nasty parts that just creep up into our psyches. It's one of those, it's one of those things that when we start with validating, then we know that we also have permission to not do it all. And that means the hardest part about this is you have to be willing to make trade-offs. And that's where I think overwhelm is the hardest because you will still have that sneaky push to not make trade-offs. You have this sneaky understanding that everything matters and it's at the same level of mattering when it doesn't. And, and, and that can change by season. Sometimes there are seasons where certain things matter, like organizing your house and other seasons where it matters, but not as much as something else that has to matter more. We have to be willing to make trade-offs. And if we're not, those trade-offs will be made for us. And that often happens with, again, our mental, physical health and relationships. So if you're not willing to choose the trade-offs, they will be chosen for you. And how do I actually deal with that? It's by Remembering the times where I was unwilling to make the trade-offs and they were made for me and how it affected not just me, but everyone connected to me. Everyone. So if I want to be the kind of person I want to be, including the mom or the podcaster, the neighbor, I need to choose the trade-offs I'm willing to make during a certain season of overwhelm. And that's where I feel like we got to talk about some tactile ways to, to sort through that. We talked about the deep breath, taking a deep breath, that framework, doing less, not more. This is where we now need to literally manage this. How do I practically figure this out then? I would advise a brain dump. I am not someone who gravitates to writing to express my emotions. I'm a, a journal avoider. I don't like to talk about my hard feelings or like what's going on in my life that is difficult. Anyway, that's not my natural tendency. So when I say do a brain dump, I'm telling you, lean in. That's part of the pause. Just take a moment and write down everything that you are carrying around mentally with that mental load. What's on your plate, but most often what's on your mind that you are constantly thinking, I got to do this, got to do that. This needs to be managed. I got to tell them to do that. Put it all down. Put it all down. Write it all down. And one, I think it will help you with the validating piece. Because once you see like a full paper or two or even more of all these things that you've been carrying around mentally, you're going to be like, no wonder why. This is a lot. And then with that, I would have a couple questions. What on this list matters? And then of what matters, I want you to think about what can I simplify? 
what can I delegate? And what can I and only I personally prioritize? So those three questions, what can I simplify? What can I delegate? And what can I personally prioritize above other things? And what doesn't matter? Let it go. So we like examples here. I'm going to share. For for me this year, I had a lot of plans, but I thought they were very realistic. It's like, okay, so like when the babies are on three months old, then I can start that membership group that I had for a long time. And I'm going to do that. And then, oh, when he's about six months old, I think it's reasonable for me to start doing this again. Or I can start doing ballet classes because that's something I've been wanting to do. Wanting to do is go back to adult ballet classes. I thought, oh, I could do that maybe six months in. And these things all, they all mattered. And they were all important to me. But I had to decide day to day, there's things I need to let go. And that included I can shower, but I don't need to put makeup on. And that will help me feel like I've prioritized myself, but it ha- didn't have to be like, I put makeup on or I did my hair or I looked at like a, a cute outfit. I got my sweatsuit on today. I, I showered and I put my sweatsuit on. It's not a cute outfit, but hey, that's because it mattered less today. In terms of the bigger picture, I didn't do that adult ballet class. I decided to not launch a membership group. I haven't made a cent outside of my podcast this year, which was really tough um, for me to accept. But there's just ways for us to say, this matters. And I can lean into it or I can ask for help. My husband's done way more than he's ever had to do with my other kids. It's fortunate that he now works from home, which he didn't with our others. But it's been hard for me to ask him for help. He took over meal planning or and making meals. He watches the baby. Like right now he's watching the baby so I can be talking to you. And I never had that before. So I want people to understand that difference. This is a season thing. In the past, I was capable enough to have a new baby and have a business and a podcast and do all the other things on the side. I haven't. I haven't had the mental capacity to do it. So I've had to ask for more help. I've had to delegate more. I've also had to be fine with how other people do things. I've had to be fine that he likes to fry chicken for dinner when I hate that cleanup. I've had to be fine with that. I've had to be fine with what he chooses to do with our kids when he's watching them. And he's a great dad, but it's different than probably what I would have done. So alongside this list of brainstorming and deciding what matters and of that, what am I going to delegate? What am I going to prioritize? And what doesn't matter? What can I let go? Let's go back to the trade-off thing. Randy, you got to make those trade-offs. Just take that deep breath again and remind yourself, this is okay. And it's good. And it's not just good for me. It's good for everybody to choose these trade-offs. I think that one of the reasons people have such a hard time with that is comparison syndrome mm. and feeling like if only we could put on the blinders of like this is what works for my family and me in our environment and I don't need to compare myself to how my neighbor accomplishes it or what car someone else is driving I need to make more money so I can drive that car right if we just have our blinders on to what our needs are and what works for us. I think it becomes so much more powerful and it has become so much bigger than ever of a problem because of social media and the internet is to our family amazing and magical and we use it every single day to learn something new. As you said, I'm we're very curious people. We love learning And without the internet, I don't even know, would we still have Encyclopedia Britannica's? Like, right? Like, I'm that old. But 
when I think of the detriment that social media brings, one of the biggest things that comes to mind is the idea of comparison. And everybody shows those good moments or aspects of their life of like, oh, I'm doing this great parenting thing. And here's my beautiful, perfectly clean room. And here's the home-cooked meal that I put on my family's table. And one of the things that I implemented during the pandemic was this idea of always had this sense of realness, but it was like, I am going to commit to showing like the true realness of our lives. And I come on screen without makeup on nearly every single day in my stories. And I show meals that are like, oh, we're eating bag salad and rotisserie chicken tonight or whatever it might be, because I think more people need to see that is really how most people are living their lives. And there is no shame in saying the thing that I can't handle on my plate today, the thing that is feeling overwhelming that I would not have guilt or shame about if I wasn't comparing myself to other people is X. And so I'm just going to do the simple version of X or I'm going to have my partner do that or I'm going to have, in my case, I'm super, super fortunate that my four teenagers are comfortable and confident and empowered in the kitchen and they all take turns making dinner. That is something that didn't just magically happen, though. I, that is a lifetime of teaching them to be confident and empowered in the kitchen. But I think one of the things that I know you lean into is you have like a social media challenge on your website for people to evaluate social media and how it's serving them. And I think that there are certain things that we can do from the perspective of when you're thinking about this list, it might not be, it might not be obvious at first, I think. If you would have asked me years ago to do what you're saying, like to brain dump and to identify the overwhelm, I would not have admitted to half of the things that were overwhelming or frustrating or that were too much for me. And I'm in a much different place in my life now where I am very tapped into those things. But I think sometimes it takes activities that are guided in some sort of way to give you a little nudge to admit that. Like, why do your leaves need to be picked up and perfect all the time in your lawn? I, I don't know. Maybe this is an example, right? But like our neighbors, we have one particular neighbor who every single day is currently raking leaves. We live in a neighborhood that has mature trees. It's beautiful. And like, why? Why does she need to be raking her leaves every single day? That is the time that she has. I hope that it brings her joy. Every time my children are like, why is she raking her leaves again? I'm like, I'm hoping that it's bringing her joy. But for me, my leaves are going to sit on my lawn for quite a long time until we either like mow over them, which is supposedly the better earth-friendly thing to do, or we blow them into the portion of our yard that has trees and we just don't worry about them. But we are absolutely not going to be bagging those leaves because that is a time that is a time suck that I am not willing to invest in that does not serve me and does not mm -hmm. like fill any sort of need that I have like that is right so I think those are the areas where it might not be so obvious because you're just like oh well this is the thing that I do this is the thing that I do why mm -hmm. right
This podcast is sponsored by Nessa's Hemp. If you listen to our recent episode on CBD, then you know most brands aren't testing for efficacy or safety. And if they are, it's with labs that aren't giving a full picture of heavy metals and other potential contaminants. I've been taking CBD for years and have shared about the power of cannabis oil to be anti-inflammatory with lots of science-backed health benefits. But even knowing that, I was super impressed by the quality of Nessa's CBDA. It's essentially the difference between vanilla extract and real vanilla. Yes, you can have some variations of quality on those, but on the extract, none compare to using real fresh vanilla seed paste. And likewise, Nessa CBD is full bodied in its hemp flavor. So my recommendation is to put it under your tongue and let it melt down your throat without diluting it. But you also can benefit from that full spectrum in incredible ways. Cannabis oil works with your body's own endocannabinoid system, filling in gaps. And research shows that CBD activates specific receptors throughout the body to produce pharmacological effects, particularly in the central nervous system and the immune system. But even NIH says CBD treatments have outpaced scientific research and regulatory advancement, resulting in a confusing landscape of misinformation and unsubstantiated health claims. So check out nessashemp.com for their unparalleled safety and quality standards. That's n-e-s-a-hemp.com for 25% off your first order. Beauty Counter is having a flash sale through this weekend, and it is your last chance to grab gifts either for yourself or everyone on your list. Grab the 30% off sets to give as a gift in the cute custom packaging or break up the sets and pair them with other creative items, like a mini lip gloss in a cute mug with your favorite tea, or pair the hand cream with a local soap and a ceramic dish from a small shop artist, or simply keep everything to treat yourself to the gift of better beauty and safer skincare. Either way, don't forget to add Band of Beauty to your cart for a free welcome gift of a full-size countermatch adaptive moisturizer and get free shipping and 20% back through December 11th. And when you choose me as your consultant at checkout, I will be gifting sets to the local shelter and foster group home where kiddo personally stayed before coming here. That way, those teens and adults without a home can feel extra special this holiday season and give themselves some much-needed self-care. Made with sustainable, fair trade, and skin-nourishing ingredients, Beauty Counter is a B Corp focused on people and planet. It's a little luxury that makes a positive impact on our health for all of our collective communities through legislative change and giving back, as well as for the earth through sustainable manufacturing practices. We're getting safer products into the hands of everyone. Go to beautycounter.com slash Toth, just like any other website. And when shopping at Beauty Counter, choose me, S-T-A-C-Y-T-O-T-H, so that I can thank you. Yeah, get real, real picky with what you even think are reasonable expectations or just things we do and how we do it. That's a big part of what this list is, getting very real with yourself. And I think one thing that helps me with the comparison syndrome, I love how you call it that, is knowing what my values are and my priorities. And that's another thing. Like, again, we, we want to just say, I'm overwhelmed. I'm not going to go and do, try to figure out what my values are. If you want to feel less overwhelmed and own the choices and the trade-offs you're making, know what your values are. Maybe your neighbor values fresh air or 
maybe physical activity or beauty. And that is how she's able to do that. Or maybe she's just feeling pressured and leaning into the expectations that don't really matter. And she's just as overwhelmed too. So that's one thing is really get clear about what do I value? And that gives me the personal grace and also external grace to let people value what they're doing. Or to also assume that maybe they're a lot more overwhelmed than they're projecting or that I may ever see. And I had to do that with a dear friend who she had a baby soon after me. And I felt like the next week she was just back to normal life in every single way. And I felt like I was barely having my little nose creep up above the water. And I really had to exercise that, that, that stance of being like, it might be harder than I see. But also, even if not, we all have those humbling times and she's acting on her values and my values right now are making sure I am taking care of myself, that I'm connected to my family, that I'm still learning in ways that I can because that helps me feel like me. So I feel like this might help if I direct people to two other final things I would consider. With alongside the values, I love this acronym. What's important now? Because even after we make that list and we deprioritize things, we prioritize others, we delegate, we let go, that's still a lot of work. And you can be overwhelmed on even what to delegate and who to ask and, and how to say, can you do this? And those are hard conversations. Sometimes it takes cultural shifts in your family. Sometimes it takes training kids how to do things, having a hard conversation with a partner. So in the meantime, where you want to start is two things. And it's what's important now. That is a win. You want to create a win. What's important now? And that answer may surprise you. What's important now may be, I need to go on a walk. What's important now, I need to talk to my best friend on the phone and just cry. It's not even about the doing. It's about what's important now, that answer. I, I can't wait to see how people find they answer this in ways that surprise them. What's important now? And alongside that, I would think about how can you not just find support, but again, that can take work to get support from other people, but better support yourself. When I say that, I want to be really clear. I am not doing the toxic positivity version of that. Get up. Today's your day. You make the decision. It's your life. You make it whatever way you want. It's your Basically, it's like a self-blame way of viewing everything. Not that. I'm saying instead, gently decide how you can better support yourself. Does that mean you need to prioritize sleep? Like it's your job. Like that's my job. That's the thing that is most important. I am going to make sure I sleep really well. Or I'm going to prioritize journaling. Dang it. That's what I'm going to prioritize. Or going on the walk or feeding myself real meals. Like I'm going to make myself a really good lunch every day. Having that internal support and oftentimes external through habits, that matters. And that's what's going to help you have the energy you need to have the hard conversations, to delegate, to Hold firm in what you're letting go and the trade-offs you're willing to make. And just stick with it. These overwhelmed seasons, you got to have the vision in mind. Like you, It will get better. Either you will get stronger in ways that you can then step up to the plate more. And that's happening now for us. I'm back to meal planning. I'm back to making most of the dinners at night. I'm back to doing laundry. Like These are all things my husband like had to take over for a year and a half through the pregnancy and after. Like 
but now I'm getting stronger. I'm able to do more things that that I can pick up more stuff around the house that I had let go of or delegated. I'm I'm picking up some things with work. So either you're going to get stronger or people around you are going to get stronger too. And they're going to be able to contribute more and help out more. And if not, at least you're still feeling more supported yourself and strong enough to deal with that better because what's important. And I'm going to just beat a dead horse here. And times it's those relationships that matters most. Instead of me being like this grouchy what to everybody around my house because I'm so overwhelmed. Making those trade-offs gives me permission to be okay with how my kid cleaned out that toilet, even though it was just a terrible job. (laughs) I can accept that. Well, and I think also it demonstrates for your children that they don't have to do everything. And this is something that Mm. took me a long time to realize about my own perfectionism is that I was modeling something that I did not want my children to learn. Yet that's what I was teaching them by modeling it. Slow clap. (laughs) Slow clap that one. Yeah. Yes. Because by asking your child to clean the toilet and then hopefully they get better. Better. And knowing that my children are older than your children, my fingers are crossed for you. But things look positive from the other side. My children are able to make a meal from start to scratch. And then another child unloads the dishes. Another child loads the dishes. And is it perfect? Of course not. Do I have to remind people? Of course. I live in a neurodiverse house. Someone unloads the dishwasher and they 80% it. And I have to come behind them and be like, hey, you forgot. You got distracted when you were doing the silverware and went off and did whatever. Can you come back and do the glasses now? Uh And that is something that I before would take really like, nobody respects me. I have Mm -hmm. to do all of this. I might as well do it myself. Like that mentality wasn't serving me. And I think that's really a good transition to talk about the mental side of these things because as some of those practical things happen, as you said, it's not about a toxic mindset of just telling yourself that everything is okay or it's okay to be positive or those kinds of things. But like, it really was a lesson for me, myself, internal, to learn that it was okay for somebody else to not be perfect and that I wasn't creating a positive relationship. I was actually creating a toxic environment by expecting them to be perfect and doing something the way I did it perfectly, which by the way, there is no such thing as perfect or perfectly. Like literally it does not exist because as soon as you achieve that, there's something else that needs to be done or something else that needs to be achieved or whatever it is in order to exceed perfectionism goals. Like it's never enough. I've been there. I've been a top executive by the time I was 30 years old. I'm made a great income. I did all these things that I thought were going to make me happy. And I evaluated my life and I was like, I am miserable. And do you know what I really want? Like when I put it on my list, it was like, what I really want is to be a foster mom, like, which totally came out of the blue for a lot of people in my life, but my mom's adopted. And it's something that I always wanted to do my whole life. And I was like, I cannot do that currently, but my life structure does not support. And it took years for us to create a different life structure that would support that. But now I'm able to look around at my life and 
at night, I am satisfied. I can sit on the sofa and not feel compelled to need to do 10 more things. Like I find that often when people are in this overwhelm burnout perspective, it's because they're trying to prove something either to themselves or to somebody else. And if you are seeking outside approval, you're never going to be satisfied because even if you get that outside approval, you aren't approving of yourself. And that is always going to eat at you. It is always going to drive you to want to do more and to need more approval because that approval that you received was only temporary or specific to that thing, or you only got it from one person and not this other person that you wanted. There's always something else. Whereas for me, what I truly deeply wanted was to be a foster mom. I wanted to help others and I wanted to provide the love that we had so much abundance of. We had so much resources and love that I wanted to share it. I was like, we have enough. We can share it with more people. And so now I'm able to sit down and look around at my life and be like, gosh, I'm so lucky. Gosh, this is wonderful. Gosh, I'm so grateful for everything that I have instead of feeling like I need to do this or I need to do more. And those things certainly creep in still. But I think that, of course, not everybody's deep, like deep emotional desire is to be a foster parent. This is just an example of like, it was very different from where we were. We had three biological children. I worked full time. My husband stayed home. And we transitioned to me being a work from home person, my husband working and my biological children getting on board with something and taking years of training and home studies. And like, this was a, a really big commitment, but it was like when I did what you said and I put on the paper, like, mm. what are the things that really matter to me? All of the things that I was doing and spending my time on did not matter to me. It, I wasn't making a difference in the world either. That was something that really mattered to me. And I had gotten stuck into the cycle I was in. And I think that's also something that happens to a lot of us is that when we're young and we're like, okay, we're going to do this thing. And so we just start going down a path and then we feel like we're stuck on that path. And it, whether it's a midlife crisis, which I don't like the phrase of, I, I call it like a reawakening or whatever yeah. it may be, right? Like, I think mm -hmm. that there's a lot more positivity to this idea of reevaluating where you are in that phase in your life, but it can happen at any time. And so if you're feeling during the holidays, gosh, I'm overwhelmed by all the things that I need to do. Do you really need to host the holiday? Like I did not really need to host Thanksgiving. I did not need to prove to anybody that my house was nice or that it was clean or that whatever it was that I felt like I needed to show off. Um, I love being with family more than anything. What I really wanted yeah. to do was just be with family. And so if my dad was willing to host Thanksgiving and he could take on the burden of the clean house and we all did potluck style, it was a huge win for me. So, and I think the thing is, is if you've been a perfectionist or if you've historically done something, people aren't volunteering to step in and do that mm. because they think you want to, right? You've been so, trained. Yeah. You have to be willing to be vulnerable to let that guard yeah. down to say, hey, would someone else be open to doing whatever this year mm -hmm. instead? Or you don't even have to say, but you could say if you want to be open and vulnerable with your family, which 
in my experience has been immensely helpful. And it sounds like Monica, that's been the case for you as well. Right. Uh And being able to say, I'm in a season of my life right now where I really can't take that on. I would love to spend the time with you. I would love to attend. I would love to whatever it is. I'm just not in a season in my life right now where I can take that on. I think people, my, in my experience, have a lot of respect for that. There is not a single person that I've ever said that to that walked away, that I walked away feeling judged or shamed or mm-hmm. anything if they were emotionally healthy themselves. Yes. And that is what it's really about is especially for those of us that are parents is like modeling what I want my children to learn, which is creating some of those boundaries and expectations to have the ability to define the things that they want out of life so that they don't become overwhelmed in these sort of things. And to feeling okay, like my 18-year-old right now is in a season where he's doing self-discovery. Like he started college, he decided academic college was not for him. He's not wanting yet to commit to a really expensive culinary program. He wants to be a chef, but there is not a local culinary school, which means that it's a real big expense to like move somewhere and go Mm -hmm. and do this expensive thing if he's not 100% sure that what he really wants to do in life is stuff. And so currently he has a job, he's contributing to bills and he's just waiting huge step forward for myself that I'm able to be like, good for him. Can you imagine if we all as teenagers, instead of being pressured at 12 years old to be like, I want to be a marine biologist. I want to be a doctor, a teacher. I don't know why those are are veterinarian. Those are all the four jobs that we could all come up with, right? Instead of like expecting my young child to define what he's going to do for his life. And so many kids come out of college in debt and overwhelmed and burned out and all of these things to instead be like, take your time. I I would love to have you here. You contribute financially. You contribute to the chores. Like, I'm happy to have you here as long as you need to be here. And maybe not everyone feels that way. But again, I had to put on my blinders as to societal expectations and the judgments yes. people might have. And I had to be like, this is actually what's best for him. And that's okay that he's taking that time and that I'm supporting him in that positive way. And I think that there's many things in all of our lives that we just have to, as you said, take that pause and do that. But also the grace and all of that stuff that comes into it becomes part of the story we tell ourselves that impacts our mental health. Like I said, slow clap. The how Do I want my kids to live the life I'm living? And I'm not just saying that like circumstantially what it looks like on the outside, but who we are as people. And that's the thing I hope people take away the most from just this practical side of the conversation is it's less about what you actually choose to do and what you still prioritize for yourself or let go of. Sometimes even just the choosing is what makes the biggest difference is I have chosen this. And yes, I still have a lot on my plate, but these are the things I am choosing that will shift a lot and how you go about those things, what you are willing to let go of as part of how you do them. But also, to me, it's more than choosing what I'm doing. It's choosing who I want to be. And, and that's the thing I can look back on the, this extremely overwhelming year. I could break it down more about like all why it was overwhelming. I don't think people need to hear it. 
because we all know what it feels like to be in that space where you can't, there's so much to give to and there's so little to give from. The biggest thing I hope they can take away from it is almost lean into that season, not as a martyr, but more who, what can I look back on and say, I am proud of the person I was through that really hard season. And I can feel that like not my baby's about about to turn 11 months in a, a couple of weeks. Right. And I can look back and I'm like, I get the shivers when I think about like a year ago. And even six months ago, like I was like, oh, I don't want to go through that again ever. But I also like, I'm really proud of how I went through that, starting with how I really tried to navigate those comparison thoughts and the sneaky perfectionist side of myself that I thought was gone, how I combated those thoughts with a lot of compassion and how I gave myself so much more grace than I ever would have even a couple years ago. And I am so proud of that. And I also know it won't be forever. And I'm I'm excited to spiral up, my friends. I'm excited to feel more capable and stronger. And I know it will come. So I want to just take a pause because I know we're going to wrap up this conversation on About Progress podcast and get more into both the mental and physical um, aspects of overwhelm. And I want to thank listeners for tuning in to this fun little two-part experiment we're doing here. Monica and I are both like, I've never done something like this before, but it'll be fun to introduce listeners this way. And as I mentioned, we put a list of resources in the show notes for you at Real Everything. And we'll make sure that all of the links to both of our podcasts, websites, all the books that we mentioned are available. But I want to point you to follow Monica on social at instagram.com slash about progress and on her website. And I know also you have other things going on. Do you want to share some of that with listeners? Sure. Happy to. First thing I'll say, I talked about values and how that's a big part to being able to let go of some of that comparison syndrome going on. If they need help figuring out what theirs are, I have a values exercise for them that will help them name their top five values. And it's better than just those quizzes you take online where like they give you these three or five values and you're like, ah. like this one is actually way more effective. So they can go to aboutprogress.com slash values. And yeah, listening to my show is the best place. That's where all my heart and soul is. And our community is really great. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.